0: Hello, and welcome to Boston Public Schools Technology audio podcast called Download It. It's free. Well, not really. This recording is originally part of our Digital Citizenship and Safety series, which you can find on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch the video podcast of this recording, head on over to our YouTube channel, BPS Technology. I'm Nick Gonzalez, your host for this podcast. I'm a Digital Learning Specialist for the Technology Department here at BPS. We have three guests with us today, two educators and one industry leader. Let's start with some introductions.
1: Uh, my name is Fire Johnson, and I teach at Snowden. I teach ESL and computer science classes.
2: Ingrid Skoog, I've been in the security and privacy world for 15 years now, moving from government to academia to now the for-profit world. I'm Cynthia Suhu. I'm the principal of the Quincy Elementary School.
0: Great. Great to have you all here. Thank you for joining us. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Um, we're going to talk about internet privacy and what it actually is and the different ways it impacts schools and it impacts students and our teachers and parents as well. Um, first thing I'd like to talk about is privacy. What role do educators have in talking about internet privacy with students? Phones, permissions, different types of devices, Alexa, Siri in your room, in your house, um, data. How much infringement on privacy is too much? Will it, be, will it significantly change by the time our students become adults?
1: Um, when I was a little girl, um, mm. we, I heard the same advice from my mother, maybe you all have heard. Um, never take a candy from strangers. Um, she was nervous about all the risks uh, out there. Um, but uh, today, as a mother and an educator, I feel like um, it's our job to Teach our, you know, students to be internet smart as well as being street smart, um, because our the social medias have have become our um, neighborhoods. But even though there were risks outside, my mother never pulled me de- back indoors, saying that you can't go. I think it's um, our. We, we were just told to be um, careful and we learned how to be careful. And I think it's now our mission to teach our students how to be sensible using technology and social media and let them enjoy their time, you know, have healthy experiences in their time. And maybe um, our kids, their generation will be hearing, never click um, uh, a link from a stranger instead of a candy from a stranger. Right, Very.
0: yeah, very true.
2: I'd say absolutely there's a rule that we should be playing with the educators to teach students about this. We were saying before that security has been on our minds for a while now. Privacy is really gaining steam. That. We care about this. I think it's a myth that I hear that a lot of young people don't care about privacy or that privacy is dead. This notion that we can claw it back is the horse is out of the barn. I don't agree with that. I think that students are very smart about what's going on in many ways are coming up and taking ownership of a lot of issues they're seeing in the world and privacy is just another one on that list that I think they're very successful at Once they understand what it is that they need to be concerned about, they can articulate really well, here's the line where it works for me of, yes, companies, I'm okay with you doing this, but not that. And it's our job to inform them. And from an industry perspective, I would love to partner with the schools more where I can to lend my expertise. And I know my colleagues feel that way too. One of my friends does um, an old ladies group that she goes to retirement homes and talks to them about privacy. So we're here to partner and, and help the students learn some more.
3: Yeah, so first I wanna thank, um, thank Nick and you know, OIT for having this conversation. I think it's a very important conversation to have around downloading. Um, so I'm at the elementary level and many of our students uh, work with technology throughout the day in their classrooms. And teachers can, you know, put some blocks on there. Um, we're on a secure network and other things like that. However, many of them have their own devices at home. Uh, and they're, you know, at free range to download or, you know, um, to communicate and use those devices how, however they want. Um, and even though we're at you know, my students are at the elementary level. Many of them do have their own telephones, you know, cell phones. Um, and some applications may ask, you know, check this box if you're 13 years or older, and they may still be just checking it off. Exactly, There's right. no way to really prove that. Uh, and they're going in, downloading all different types of apps, some are social, um, because their classmates have it and they want it too. Um, which, you know, can bring um, some concern. So as educators, even at the elementary level, I think it's very important mm-hmm. to try to help them um, gain habits mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, understanding what is being asked of them when they're going to download an app. What is the purpose of the app? Um, you know, what is, what is their intention for using the app? Right. What type of um, permissions are they asking for? Right. I think that's that that's very important, especially when there's free apps out there.
0: And we were talking about this a little earlier in terms of permissions, you know. Some of these apps, you turn them on, you accept them, and they're free. And some students and some kids who are, you know, well below sometimes 10 years old will just say yes because it's free, but they don't understand that when they say yes to the terms of an agreement that it'll have access to their microphone or it'll have access to their GPS and whatnot. And this begins, I mean, again, this goes back to privacy, you know, it, 20, 30 years ago, the idea of privacy was you know, okay, you have your domicile, right? You have your house, and within your house, that's your domain, and that was your area of privacy. But now with with our with our computers and with our devices, with our tablets, and with our phones, now it's coming inside of our house now. So what exactly is privacy? And because the notion of it's changed within even within the last 10 years, with all the, the advancements that have been made with mobile technology and with with um, and with tech. So I wonder, you know. Just like Cynthia was saying, you know, as teachers and as educators, and even as industry, what is our responsibility in relaying this to our students? Is it is it I mean, is it of the utmost importance to let them know what's happening, and to give them an idea of they have a cho- of choice if they can download certain apps that they want, and this is what's going to happen. And whatnot, right? and this is I think in, I think uh, Ingrid touched on this a little bit.
2: I'd say privacy. It's an interesting thing that we've talked about. Everyone's line for privacy is different, so that's important for people to understand, but also there's a difference between if you have my information and you're targeting me because you know I want to buy a particular pair of shoes, well, that might be okay. I don't mind if if you're trying to show me products I'm interested in, but privacy in the terms of self-autonomy, in that I am choosing and making decisions for myself and corporations and companies don't have enough information that they're manipulating me or coercing me because of information they've gotten. I think that's the really powerful thing around privacy that we want to have autonomy over our decisions. We don't want social media to be nudging us and knowing enough about us to steer us toward political decisions or Mm -hmm. how we interact with our friends and colleagues. So that's the important thing I'd love to see our, our students know more about
3: yeah, and I would also say um, I think it's in tandem. I think it's educating students mm-hmm. with habits, but also reaching out to families right. uh, and uh, letting them know that you know if you're choosing to allow your um, your your children to have devices, you know, what are some some things that you can put on it? How you know, can you block certain things? Um, are there, you know security things that you can? What are they called? Like, you know, parental um, yeah, like, uh, locks and other things, controls right. that they can have.
0: Agreed. I totally agree. Because I, it, I think it's important to definitely go after parents and go after just educators in general. Like, a lot, of, a lot of adults do not know what's happening. And so, so I think it's going to be a multi-pronged fa- administration's, teachers, and parents. And I think eventually, you know, hopefully if we cross our fingers, it gets down to the students at the younger level, at the younger ages, because I think that's where it's going to need to start. Especially you get the younger kids who are in second, third grade when they start typing, when they start getting onto their Chromebooks, and especially around second, third grade, where they start to learn, ha- develop these habits of, of good privacy and good digital citizenship measures. So let's get into our second question. Now we're gonna talk about passwords and password protection practices. It's, it's, and I'm, Ingrid, I'm sure you can, well, I'm sure everyone can back this up. You know, you get a new password, and I, I've done it myself when I didn't know all the stuff that could be done with my password. Sometimes I put it on a post-it and sometimes I'd stick it right on my computer. So like five, 10 years ago, <laughs> but you know, little did I know that was probably the worst thing I do considering what could have been done with my password. So let's talk about why they are important for our kids and why they need to, password protection practices um, need to be taught at all levels, right? And why are they important to faculty and staff as well? And Let's discuss longer, more elaborate passwords, and you know, some of the practices that might uh, that might um, impact how strong your password is.
1: Of course, we hear everywhere having longer passwords with combinations of letters, capital, you know, lowercase, and change them periodically. It's so overwhelming for myself, and I know for many of um, us. Um, It's just like we are visiting hundreds of pages every day. Trying to have a single password is like trying to carry a single key for each door we open. Mm -hmm. It is definitely, you know, we forget them. They are too, getting too complicated. Um, However, we need to be very cautious about it um, because of the privacy and security issues. Everyone can have, I think, um, of course, big companies are doing big, um, you know, password management systems they're using, but as an individual, as a child, or mother, or, you know, an educator, what we can do is um, try to come up with our own, you know, homemade password management system, which could be uh, something really personal to you, um, something <clears throat> difficult to guess, and something you can change periodically, but you can remember, I don't know. M- what we should do is people have good intentions, write down their passwords on an Excel sheet, Mm. keeping drive, (sighs) might not be the best idea, uh, but definitely um, following some best strategies out there. But I agree with you with the previous question, Mm. as educators, as teachers, we feel so nervous and not knowledgeable enough. Mm. So um, I think we should start with the educators, Mm. make sure that they feel comfortable with the technology Mm. and then pass all these this knowledge to kids.
2: I have so many thoughts on passwords and how much I hate them and how much we all hate them but they're not going away. I mean there are a lot there are a lot of things that industry is trying to improve on them, but when it comes down to it we all just have a ton of passwords. For me password managers are a key to helping us because we just can't remember all the different passwords. We have We have hundreds of them. And so in order to have unique, strong passwords, I think that there are free and affordable password managers out there and you only have to remember one password Mm -hmm. to be able to store all your passwords in there. That is something that we've been telling folks all over the place. And even, you know, writing them down Sometimes that can make sense if it's kept in a safe at home. If that model works for you, what's the likelihood that someone's going to get into that list that you keep at home? The problem is if you carry it with you. If you have it in that sticky note on your computer, right where you're going to use it, that that's the problem. But there are things that we can do, share with the students and with educators and ourselves that that we can do better than, than what we're doing now.
3: What I found helpful um, around passwords is finding some sort of a system mm-hmm. that you can use maybe there is like one combination that you're always using but changing up a little bit um, depending on what you know what you're logging into so that would change a little bit I love the idea of having um, a password manager mm-hmm. because I find myself like running on stickies or like you know having a book somewhere or um, I started going online but I was like well what if someone can like get into my documents and stuff and then they'll find that right mm-hmm. um, so just figuring out a system that works for you uh, and also understanding that uh, sometimes when you're working on, uh, you're signing into things, there are administrators, and depending on what program it is that you're working on, they may actually be able to see your passwords. And so um, that's why it's important to have different passwords for different programs that you're using.
0: And so yeah, so I guess it comes down to to both. I I think if you're more heavily involved in the internet, and you have a ton of passwords, even thirty or forty, that you need to use. I think a password method is going to be great. Um, but then you also have people who don't. They have three or four, and you know they could um, use new first methods as well. Where if they know, if they have a safe place, they can store their passwords. That's a better choice to use. Um, that's a better choice to go with. But in terms, how about of making passwords? Because sometimes we have students that'll just they'll use, you know, like if it's a third or fourth grader, they'll use the word leg. for password, L-E-G-G, right? And sometimes it'll accept. You know, how do we instill within our students the idea of password encryption and how, you know, if you have a longer password, right, versus if you have like a nine-character password versus like a 13-character password, you know, being able to brute force get into, which means, you know, essentially trying to enter as many words as you can within a password field. um, It's much likely, more likely, for it not to be hacked or decrypted uh, by having a longer password versus a shorter password. The only thing is, when you have longer passwords, they're more difficult to remember. Yeah. So, you know, how how do we instill this practice within students, and, and educators, um, of having longer passwords and having more you know more difficult passwords to uh, attack.
3: I think Mullifer brought up a great point of, you know, having numbers and letters and symbols and upper and lowercase, um, but those symbols can actually help, right? Like, you know, where you have to shift and put the and signed or, you know, exclamation points. I think that also adds um, or makes it more difficult to kind of figure out.
2: I don't worry about the brute force, the, the mm-hmm. guessing over and over mm-hmm. so much as I worry about the pet's name, like, oh, well, my cat's name is a great password, right. or Red Sox 34, that's right. a great password. And I bet someone watching will have that password. Right. <laughs> the commonality of things that someone could guess that if I knew a little about you that I would think, oh, I bet your password is this pet name or, or this sports team, those I would love to see people get away from.
0: Right, right. A lot of our students just go with the birth because that's officially assigned to them at yeah, the an Yeah, <laughs> or an anniversary or something. That,
2: Moving away from that would be a big, every year there's a top 10 list of most common passwords and it doesn't change much year to year. It's kind yeah, of depressed. things like four, password, uh, one, two, three, four, bad. I love you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I had um, heard this, um, you know, Facebook or other social media sometimes send these questionnaires, uh, what's your favorite uh, movie? Where, where did you meet your um, boyfriend, girlfriend? And what's your pet's name? And then these questions, because you feel like you're taking a questionnaire, and then they are used to hack into your accounts because they are usually the passwords. Security, security questions. questions. Yes. Yeah.
2: To passwords, yeah. One of the tricks we've taught folks when we've worked with them is um, a line from a song. Uh-huh. That can be pretty oh. long and it's easy to remember. If you pick out a lyric, uh, a line from a song, that could be a great password.
0: And the, and the use of spaces too. I mean, that's that's, a, that's one that, um, that we took away from a uh, citizenship training we had here. Uh, for the district, where people don't usually use spaces in their password, but you can. You can use spaces sometimes, Oh, most of the time, I believe.
2: The the rules are all different, which makes it hard, too. Sometimes you need those special characters, sometimes you need upper, lower, you know, a little drop of blood, all these different, (laughs) like, special, do three turns, so, yeah.
0: Uh, Moving on from from passwords, this is going to actually come back into sensitive information. Um, Let's talk about phishing. And what phishing is, and how important it is for our faculties and students in our schools to know what phishing is and the scams that are out there. So first, um, can I have someone, Ingrid, can you explain what phishing is? to
2: Sure. So phishing is most often when someone is trying to get your login, your username, and your password so that they can get into your bank account or get into your social media account. And it's this way of trying to trick you into giving that information up.
0: Is this important for schools to know? Is it important for our students and our teachers to know? Thoughts.
2: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We are working with
1: confidential information. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working with you know students on IEPs, um, very very you know confidential information. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be very alert. Um, luckily, I think it's you know managed by the center that our mm-hmm. emails go to spam. You know if there's any phishing emails, and sometimes if there are. Uh, risky activities going on we get notifications which is great but as individuals I I think it is important to be you know like street smart internet smart we have to be smart Um, when we see a person out on the street that doesn't make us feel comfortable maybe something He says doesn't sound right or the way he looks the way he dresses and we say you know what i should be cautious about this person it's the same thing uh, about phishing um usually they come with the emails and just to be careful does this email sound right to me is it from someone i know usually we don't know the people um the 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 address looks like something we could trust like instead of bostonpublicschools.org it's from .com, BostonPublicSchools.com. It sounds almost right, but it's not right. And sometimes they're abusing our, you know, for human feelings like, hey, this is time sensitive. You need to help. And as default, we, we want to help people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so clicking one thing could be very, you know, dangerous. So just to be cautious and pay attention to these little things mm-hmm. um, could help.
3: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, you brought up something earlier too around like strangers and stuff like that, right? It's it's knowing who's sending it to you. Check in for those little, you know, um, things like is it the exact address or is like one letter off? Um, did they change the order of the the name? And what information are they asking for? If you feel like it's anything private, um, you know that that could lead to giving them, giving away your password, or um, asking you. Most of them are asking you to change your password. Uh, just being very, very clear and like you know what they're asking for, and figuring out why they're asking for it. And you know, at BPS, we can always just forward that email to someone and just say, you know, is this legit? Um, what what's happening here?
0: Yeah. A lot of students can spot phishing because they're born in, they're digital citizens, and they're born into to into. Um, I guess you can say, and some, a lot of them think that, you know, they can spot phishing scams right off the bat. But some phishing scams are so good, it takes, you know, five, sometimes ten minutes to actually analyze the entire page to say, oh, this isn't the actual page, you know, it's, they're really good phishing scams out there. So I think a lot of students think they know more than they do, especially high school students. But, but it, I've seen the case where it's that, that's not actually true.
2: Someone will fall. we'll all at some point have a weak moment, be in a hurry, fall for something and that's okay it doesn't make us stupid or or anything but it's important that when you know if you have that realization i i put in my credentials where i shouldn't have that you reach out mm-hmm. to get help it, it's not embarrassing to say i did something wrong and let's fix this quickly mm-hmm. um and also to if you do have that stop and think and pause and this seems like it has a sense of urgency or it doesn't seem right check out a band don't rely on the email call the person or text them or take some out of way of saying, hey, did, Nick, did, did you send me this thing that's asking to change my password? And that can sometimes really help you.
0: So the last uh, topic I'd like to talk about is data breaches. And we're going to focus specifically on schools throughout the country that have students who many times, well, most of the schools that I've worked with have a lot of students that know a lot more than the faculties and admins do about technology. And a lot of times I see these students help, um, in some way or another, the faculties and, and, and the administrations within schools. And some of the, some schools around the country, too, we had these formations of tech teams, uh, these teams that are being educated on how to use tech, and they're going out and helping the administrations and the faculties within these schools navigate their technology. And so, many times these students are given information that is really sensitive. Sometimes it's the case that this information is given over to students um, Unbeknownst to the people who gave it to them, and so, what? How do we mitigate this? How do we send the message out that it's great to have? This is a great idea. This is a great concept to have students actually help uh, teachers and, and and administrators. But also, there's a positive side to it. But there's also there's also there also could be a negative side to it. What to do in this situation? Cindy, you want to start?
3: So when I want to go back and say, so when when we're logged onto things, mm-hmm. right? Um, we share many devices as well. so not th- it, there could be breaching in that way too. Right. where we're not logging off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when others are getting onto that same device, they may automatically be able to get into your um, your your information. Um, but around breaching, and yes, many of our, our students are definitely in the digital age uh, and we have these tech teams and we may think it's harmless to give them uh, login information so that they can help us complete something or organize all of our students' presentations mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. and not realize that with that one password, mm-hmm. they're able to get access to all of our other information. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's very important to think about um, when you're giving students these responsibilities. You know, uh, Is there a way that we can give them a separate access um, to complete the same thing that you're hoping for?
2: I, that really drives to what I'm focused on privacy now mm-hmm. is the views and the access you have. You only want people to be able to look at what it is they need to do. And so maybe you do have a case where you need to have a student help you but you could change your password after. So you've seen them use it and help you, but then they can't get back in later no. or have a different kind of login, depending on the technology you're using, understanding with your support folks, hey, is there an account that this student could use to only see this material and help me, but not have that broader wide view? Uh,
1: sometimes it's not even that um, you know sophisticated. We take attendance, stay logged in walk out of the classroom for a second it's vulnerable right data is vulnerable to students or anyone's action um you know we, we we grew up with this phrase of time is money time is money time is money but now what i observe is the data is money so the data is so important information any information about you it could be very important for other parties for their benefit it could be your location, your interests, your school, your medical records, everything since the data has become so valuable and so important, we need to be more cautious about how to protect, how to handle it. Um, Not only people who provide the data, like needs to be educated, such as, you know, the parents provide us data, students themselves, teachers us, and people who handle the administrators, the teachers. And in your case, you know, example, uh, students sometimes handle this data. It's very, very vital because it's no game anymore. It is so important people are paying you for your data we have to be very um alert
0: and smart about it right right people are paying for data and people you know like you can sell you know social security numbers online you can sell birthdays online you can there's a lot of things you can do with it that sensitive data that some students can get and not say say that, that that's happening but it's just as a potential yeah, yeah. and so
1: even surveys now, right? We don't take surveys anymore without any, you know, like if you're not giving me a gift card, I'm not completing survey because it's my data, right? It's my information. Um, the times are changing, so we have to
0: catch up. And they're changing fast, right? <laughs> so that's going to do it for our downloaded, it's free, well, not really, audio podcast by BPS Technology. I'd like to thank Nula for Johnson of Snowden High School, Ingrid Skoog, industry leader in information security, and Cynthia Suhu, principal of this Quincy Lower, for joining us. I'd also like to thank Mark Pijanowski for recording and editing the podcast. Again, I'm Nick Gonzalez. Thanks so much for tuning in, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts.